As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogan Johns, with you as we inch closer and closer to free agency. Johnsy, people are losing their jobs left and right. It's going to be flooded market, a buyer's market, I think. And it's just a question of who the Bears are going to be adding to the uh, open market, I think. It's chaos already. The Kansas City Chiefs cut their starting tackles. Wasn't that a storyline in the Super Bowl? Like, didn't they miss them? Who needs tackles? Apparently not Patrick Mahomes, although... Oh, the, the Bears the, do. The Super Bowl um, would say otherwise. But, um, yeah, yeah, th- this cap is going to lead to chaos. Absolute chaos this year in free agency. Uh, welcome in. Hogan John's with you. Special episode today because we've got a special guest that I'm really excited about. Tease this... Earlier in the week, but Brendan Hunt from Ted Lasso. That's Coach Beard, for those of you who uh, just watch the show and know him as Coach Beard, which is fine, because that's what his name is. Now, admittedly, that's a show I have to catch up on, so a certain fish man is going to fill in for me. We should give him full credit. This interview was Kevin's idea. And since you've never watched the show, we decided to kick you off the podcast for a little bit. Bring <laughs> just Kevin for a in. day. I'm sure Kevin is just pumped. Yes. Oh, he's careful because like this segment right here might be the end of you on this podcast. Oh, you better you better bring it for that interview. <laughs> um. So yes, Kevin and I will be talking to Brendan Hunt here coming up. And for those of you that have been watching Ted Lasso, uh, I know you're excited about this. I don't know if you call this like sort of a cult show or not. 
it's sort of as like a cult following. It's on Apple TV. I don't know how many people are diving into Apple TV. Yeah, that seems to be your holdup with watching the show. Yeah, I already have Netflix, Amazon Prime, <laughs> Disney Plus, well, Hulu. It, now there's Discovery Plus. I don't, Disney Plus. You pay for all this, you're going to end up paying more than like DirecTV used to cost. So what are we doing here? Got that right. But uh, anyway, Apple TV is... Uh, I like Apple TV. I've I, Some of the programming on there has been outstanding. And Ted Lasso, you've probably seen if you're on Twitter. People love it and for good reason. So we'll get into that later. Uh, but first, we'll... Obviously, talk about what's going on with the Bears here late in the week. Uh, again, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, and you can read us on The Athletic. Read Johnsy on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, where you go to subscribe. You can read Kevin Fishbane as well. And my stuff is all up on NBCSportsChicago.com. So the cuts have begun to come in. I mean, where I. We keep teasing this, that there's going to be huge names that are going to let go. This morning, with the Chiefs cuts, as you mentioned, an example of that. They cut their left tackle and right tackle. Now, some context here. This frees up $18 million in cap space for the Kansas City Chiefs. They needed that. And Eric Fisher's coming off a torn Achilles. Mitchell Schwartz coming off back surgery. Uh, and I believe he might actually retire out of all this. Anyway... So at least that's something that's on the table as we record this right now. Um, but an example of how teams are going to have to cut starters. And they're not the only ones. The uh, Titans cut Malcolm Butler. The Saints cut Janoris Jenkins. There's starters that are going to end up on the market and teams are going to hope they can sign other guys for less money, which is Something that could be on the table here for the Bears, too, as they have some tough decisions they have to make. Do you cut somebody for cap relief and then sign somebody else cheaper? This is what we kind of hinted at at our last podcast, right? We didn't know what the the firm number was going to be last time we spoke. Now it's officially at $182 million and a half, 182.5. The Bears have some overages, so they're roughly around $190 million for this year. But yeah, they're in... They got to make some moves, man. We talked about how teams have to manipulate the cap and how the Bears are one of the teams that have to do that more significantly more than others. But but what happens here? Like, what do they do? Um, they have to start manipulating it after picking up the franchise tag and Allen Robinson. What's the answer? Where does this go? Is it Kyle Fuller? Is it a key mix? Like the the, the most like the easiest cut to save money right away is a key mix. But we talked about this last podcast. I don't like you. Don't want to do that. He's still a darn good player. You're making your team significantly worse if you're going to do this, and you don't know what your quarterback situation is going to be. You might need this defense to be as outstanding as it can be going into the 2021 season. I think, though, that there's some patience. I'm kind of fascinated by when guys are going to get cut because, like, for example, Keem Hicks, if you're going to do that, do you wait? until you absolutely have to, to see who else might be on the market? Like, who else is going to be let go by other teams that you can maybe sign cheaper to replace him? Same thing with Kyle Fuller. You know, and that just because just it was this morning, but like, is Janoris Jenkins, you can go out and sign cheaper because now he's on the market. And then all of a sudden, that saves you a, a huge amount of cap space just by letting Kyle Fuller go. Of course, whoever you're going to sign... Uh, 
is going to take up cap space too. So you better predict that market correctly because these guys are all going to hit the open market next week. Well, technically, I think if they're getting cut now, depending on when the cut actually goes through, they can sign with a team, which is another whole thing. We could have like a group of free agency before free agency even starts. Yeah, yeah. Well, to me, to me, Adam, it still comes back to the quarterback. Like you acquire Russell Wilson, that, that's a big contract on your books, right? Then I feel like it's acceptable to to cut a Kyle Fuller, to cut Nakeem Hicks. So the Bears got some type of deadline here with free agency because they have to be under the cap by the new league year, and they are not right now. Now you could do restructurings. There's already rumblings about that happening. Those being, you know, discussed right now, Eddie Jackson, Khalil Mack, maybe Kyle Fuller to an extent. But we talked about, you know, what what if he wants a bigger race somewhere else? He's still a pretty young player, even though he did just have one interception last year. But that's why, like, the Bears got to have, like, a full-court press on the Seahawks right now. Do they not? Like, there's a timeline here where a Russell Wilson contract is significantly going to ch- change the Bears' books. Like, you need to have some clarity, some certainty right now heading into the new league year. Yeah, and uh, it, it, it's fascinating. I mean, there was there's obviously a lot of smoke on Twitter, and there's a lot of different things going on. The one thing that did catch my eye yesterday is some of the stuff that was happening with the Vegas books, where the Russell Wilson trade uh, destinations were actually getting taken off of some books. That's interesting to me, because Vegas, if the one thing we've learned is like, Vegas knows things. And uh, and apparently that happened with Carson Wentz. Apparently that happened with J.J. Watt right before he signed. So not a conspiracy theorist type of guy. I ignore most of the smoke on Twitter, like as you and I did for most of the Carson Wentz saga, uh, which turned out to be the right thing to do. But that one did. That was the one thing yesterday where I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, put Bears Twitter into, uh, Yeah. well, not that Bears Twitter needs <laughs> No, you don't have to do much to get Bears Twitter going. <laughs> Any reason to get going, but Bears Twitter, they ate it up. I, I was texting with our, our friend Sam Pianjanovich. I think I said his name right there. Sorry, Sam. Um, about, well, he's a, a betting expert, right? That This is yeah. his expertise. He's working for out for Nesson now in yeah. uh, in Boston. Yes. So, Russell Wilson and, and the Bears bets are back up on DraftKings this morning. So... I don't know if there was some rumors going around the betting world and, and things needed to be set right. You know, I could pull this up to see what he told me. Um, but it does see what, he, what did he say? Sir? It happens all the time when they're liable and have to iron out their prices. So, did the prices change? I, I guess so. I, I'm not following them closely because I, I do yeah. think, like, it, it's there, there's some unbelievable qualities to this. Like, it's the. The Seahawks, there's no reason for them to trade Russell Wilson. Right? Let's get that straight. There's no reason for them. Like, well, unless make it reason- work. Like, didn't Russell Wilson just have a hand in hiring their next offense coordinator? Like, wasn't he part of the process? Unlike Deshaun Watson, like, there's a relationship that could be potentially saved here, right? Like, I'm not reading the situation wrong. Uh, I. I- the reason to trade him, I guess, is that a lot of people believe that he's going to be. Gone anyway, eventually, and so within like three years, that's a lot of time for like Pete Carroll's an old coach. This isn't well, some, here, <laughs> but here here's one reason. Here's one reason. Uh, 
you're right. Pete Carroll is an old coach, which is one reason why, if it came down to a him or me type situation, I mean, if I'm the Seahawks, I, as good as Pete Carroll has been, and they have one of the best cultures in the NFL, which I have a huge believer in. You set your standards, you create a culture, and then you plug the players in and out, almost like how it works in college. Well, that is how it works in college football. It's a little bit harder to pull off at the NFL level. But Seattle has been one of the few franchises that's been able to do that consistently over the last decade. Now, you get rid of Pete Carroll, that all changes. But if it becomes a him or me type situation between Russell Wilson or Pete Carroll, you might be inclined to go with Russell Wilson. So, the point is, if they go through another season together and things get uglier, which is possible, Pete Carroll could be the one out. So, if you're Pete Carroll... Maybe that's a reason why you're open to trading Russell Wilson. If I'm Pete Carroll, the quarterback abyss, purgatory, that we know extremely well here in Chicago. Oh, yeah. We just wrapped up our Bears quarterback series. Check out my story of Mitch Trubisky. It's up there. How do you want to remember him? I think that's layered. So we know this abyss very well, this purgatory. Well, Bears he's not have been dead. Did you write an obituary? <laughs> well, he's probably moving on. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Maybe bigger, better things. Who knows? What? Why? Why, why do the Seahawks want to do that? Like, like seriously? If I'm Pete Carroll, who, who's a pretty charismatic guy, right? Like, he's a cool dude. I know he's got a different side to him, but like, make it work. You don't want to jump into this mess that the rest of the league is in. You lucked into Russell Wilson, what, eight years ago, nine years ago, whatever it was? Mid-round pick. You lucked into him. You don't want to mess this up by giving up on him. Like, make it work. Figure it out. You think they luck? I don't think they lucked into him. I think they did they did uh they did what the Bears should be doing right now, which no, is No, no, no. I think the point here, Adam, is if they, they took multiple swings at quarterback. They they signed Matt Flynn to a lot of money and then they drafted one. They figured out the guy they drafted was better. Right. I, well, I think the argument here is if they knew Russell Wilson was going to be Russell Wilson, you don't take him in the third round. Like take him earlier, right? Like that's the argument. So, but they took a swing, got it right. Future Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, again, future Hall of Fame quarterback, you got him. Still a good player. Stats are great. Teammates like them. Make it work. I know Bears fans don't like hearing this, but the Seahawks have no reason to trade this guy. But again, going back to the free agency conversation. Okay, like we do not disagree on the Seahawks side of this. I, the, you're right. It does. It doesn't make sense. But everyone involved in this seems to think there's a realistic chance that he gets traded. Yeah. So just going off of that, regardless of what the Seahawks should be doing. It sure seems like this is something that's actually on the table. That's why. Well, yeah. Ryan Pace needs to make. Well, well, he has to know that you know this is going to be a difficult task. But he should also know that his books are kind of problematic right now. The salary caps that needs to be that needs to be fixed here in the next couple of days, right? Like again, though, I've said this before. Here. I'll say it again. You can. You can trade for Russell Wilson and then restructure his contract. Extend him. You can trade for him and extend him and bring down his cap number in 2021. Uh, I think, well, you, well, you better do that quickly because the new league year is quickly approaching here. 
this another reason to get this thing done quickly. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. There, yeah. There's a there's a deadline here for the Bears because of their own books, and, and they're over the, the cap again. If you don't know you're getting Russell Wilson, you, are you ready to give up on, on Kyle Fuller yet? Are you ready to give up on Akeem Hicks? You might need those guys if this is your all-in last chance, last stand season. Yeah. Well, it's complicated, uh, and a lot of teams are making moves right now. We're waiting for the Bears to make some moves, and they tend to think, take things right down to the deadline. So uh, I don't know if anything will happen today, this weekend. Maybe it'll all be Tuesday, um, but there is a lot to sort through um, because they are what what I, the numbers always fluid. What are they like? Eighteen million over the cap? Yeah. Right now, somewhere in that. I mean, range. A, a quick restructure can can fix that. You know, before you know it, you're 12 million over the cap. Another restructure, another extension, you're 10 million dollars over the cap. Like this, it's, it's always fluid, and the Bears are working on this. But I, I think the certainty and the clarity that you need at the the quarterback position will help your decision making immediately. Well, they do have to be under that cap number, though. Yeah, I know. By, yeah, by that's next it. Wednesday, it, it, that's it's part a deadline. Of that's part of the deal. So uh, they have they have moves that need to be made, and um, we'll continue to discuss them as they happen. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. You're kicking but, me off the show now? Okay. Uh, yeah, I am temporarily kicking you off the show because... Do you need me to get to see you in right now? No. We'll come back and say goodbye properly. Just to, just to make sure Kevin knows that he hasn't taken your seat. Ah, we'll, we'll, that's right. That's so, right. That's so, a good but, partner. Yes. Uh, so we, and, and plus, we already did this interview with Brendan Hunt. Couple days ago, bring it on, bring it on the podcast. You're showing everybody how no. the sausage is made. Yeah, it's a podcast. It's how things work. Sometimes you you bank an interview. Sometimes you bank them a lot longer. This was just a couple days. Uh, so, Kevin Fishbane and I, the Fish Man, we did talk to Brendan Hunt, Coach Beard from Ted Lasso, which you can watch on Apple Plus. I encourage you to do so. Here's the interview. But Kevin, no. 
excited to talk to for a while now as uh, you've heard us talk a lot about Ted Lasso on this podcast uh, because we love the show so much. And joining us now is Brendan Hunt, who of course plays Coach Beard on Ted Lasso. And he's a Chicagoan who's a huge Bears fan, which is why we're doing this whole thing uh, today. Brendan, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, Thanks for having me. Let's get into it. So you are in London right now. Uh, I'm sure just totally wrapped up in all this Oprah and uh, you know the, the Royals talk. I'm sure. No, you're there to uh, film the second season of Ted Lasso, which we can't wait for. Um, but how, I guess how's how's the production going? Pretty good. Uh, it's certainly weird trying to do this during COVID and you know comedy in front of a room full of people wearing white masks. We're about at the halfway point. We see feels like we may have hit a bit of a groove right now, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it turns out in here. You know, now all the pressure's on because now we know people <laughs> like the show. It's so much nicer to be under the radar, but we'll give it a go. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, Brendan, because I mean, the reception for the show was just out of this world, and I mean, Hogue and I are doing this. We're, we're such huge fans of it. What's it? What, what's it been like just to see the reaction? from people over the past few months and then how does that almost impact you or kind of be in your mind as, as you work on season two? Um, the reaction has been, I mean, amazing. Like it's when it was first coming out, like not that many people were seeing it, but right away people were like, Oh, I, I really like this. And the unfortunate coincidence of the, of the timing in which it's come out, it's like really just flat out meant a lot to people. And that's, it's kind of blown us away. Uh, but then, you know, now, now it's getting out there and it's getting, you know, slightly more public accolades and stuff. And I was kidding before. I mean, we can't actually let that affect us at all. You know, you just got to make the best show we can because we sit there trying to be like liked by the same people or whatever. Then would that be just shooting ourselves in the foot? Yeah, Brendan, I wanted to ask you about the timing because obviously you filmed the first season before the pandemic hit. But this show ended up being something that it and you alluded to this, but I know it applied to me, like just the perfect thing we needed in 2020 with all the shitty things that have been going on in the world. Here's an uplifting show, which I, I got to be honest, like I wasn't expecting that. So I guess, how can you tell us a little bit about the motivation to, I don't know, I would say go against the grain a little bit with a comedy show that was still so uplifting sort of once you get beyond just the funny parts and then the mind-blowing aspect of it, just the timing working out in such an awful year. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for that, man. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, you know, certainly we could not have predicted what this ridiculous last year has been. But there was, at least before that, there was a, certainly a, uh, a toxicity in the discourse. Um, and and we kind of were at least responding against that a little bit. You know, like, why is everybody just being so dang hostile <laughs> all the dang time. And, and, you know, comedies have gotten that way too. Like most of the really good comedies of the last 10 years or so are, are kind of, you know, jerk comedies in a way. And like some great shows, shows I absolutely love, but yeah, it just felt like it might be time to, to bring a slightly uh, more Midwestern air to things. And uh, between Chicago and Kansas city, we got a lot of that uh, in the writer's room. So, Brendan, I was a big fan of the original Ted Lasso sketch you guys did um, for NBC when the Premier League started airing on NBC Sports. I believe that was 2013 when that came out. Um, 
And, and so it's I'm curious because if you watch that, you'll see some of the similar jokes. I think Coach Beard seems to be pretty similar, but Ted Lasso's character does evolve a little bit. I, I'm wondering what that process was like in terms of looking at what you guys learned from that, deciding what to do with Ted Lasso from that experience. And, and also the fact that there's like a seven years in between must've been kind of interesting as well. Yeah. It, it boils down to a sort of loud brash idea. Like we had for the first one that can absolutely carry you through a five minute sketch for sure. But it's not going to carry you through a 300 minute long sports movie. Right? You got to have some more depth and reality to it. So very early on, Jason kind of realized like, okay, if, he's, if we're going to, you know, the audience has to buy that, this football coach is in London now. That's going to be ridiculous no matter how we do it. Fine. But then once he's there, why is he there? What What's that? And that started to get to the idea of him being divorced and uh, and into some laying down some uh, emotional roots that uh, that I think have enriched the whole thing. And in terms of waiting the whole time or waiting all that time between, you know, we did the second one in 2014 and now it's finally out in 2020. Um, personally, it was torture. Um, like of the four creators of the show, I think it's, it's fair to say that I have the uh, – least elaborate uh imdb page and um this this gig this gig is good for brenny let me tell you um and there's a lot of like it's it's almost happening oh it's gonna happen here it comes right around the corner and then it kept not happening and finally gave up gave up hope completely and then suddenly we're having dinner with bill lawrence and and here we are well you certainly have i mean put in the work for a long time to to, to get here and it's but that's that's something that's interesting about this specific show too, because it seems like pieces of this show even go back to like 2003 and some, some um, like, is that the, uh, am I putting that together right with like the Roy King, Roy Kent uh, connection there? And just some of the pieces that have evolved over time all coming together in this show now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Cause that's around when we were all in Amsterdam for a little bit of a period. And, um, like I was in Amsterdam for five years. There's a Chicago improv company called Boom Chicago out there. Um, they're still there. They've been there like 26 years. Um, Joe Kelly, one of the other creators, he did about four years out there. And then Jason was out there for like four months. But in that time, he was there just long enough to realize that we've been lied to all our lives. Soccer doesn't suck. Soccer, in fact, is pretty awesome. And, you know, that's when uh, Manchester United was in there. Beckham, Roy Keane, Pomp, and the three of us all have a little bit of Irish in us, at least, and so we were just fascinated by Roy Keane. I mean, what a, just a, a caricature of a hard man, you know, and um, and Jason liked Manu a little bit. I hate Manu, uh, but I still am like, Roy Keane is fascinating to me, absolutely fascinating, um, and so we kind of never forgot him, and as we pictured, like, what would be the biggest you know, personality football force that would be the opposite of what Ted is. We just kind of kept coming back to Roy Keane. So then we named the character Roy Kent, but like as a placeholder, it was like, all right, Roy Kent, but <laughs> that's a little obvious. We'll change that later. No, no, here we are. People are trying to figure out how to get a Roy Kent jersey. Uh, and there's no turning back at this point. Brennan, obviously you, you talked about the improv stuff. This is your career. So you're professional. So I'm going to admittedly ask this kind of a silly question, but your character like the the kind of straight faced quick wit is it 
ever hard for you to not break, especially whether it's a line from you or a line from Jason or anybody. I mean, it's an incredible cast. Um, just you playing that role where you just have to be so focused. Um, is it ever difficult to just break or am I asking a silly question because this is literally just what you've done for a living? Uh, here, I'm going to experiment with turning the camera back on see if that works because uh, faces are going to be involved. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the what gets you the most is uh, improv and we, tr- you know, improv on set and we try not to improvise too much. It's been very important to Jason from the beginning. Like we have to have, it has to be 99% scripted. We have to know what we're doing. We have to have a foundation and we'll improvise occasionally as a, as a, you know, uh, magic sprinkles. But sometimes when we do, like, I just cannot hold it for the most part. I'm okay. But the, there's a scene from season one where we talk about how the dressing room was cursed and it's me, Jason and Nick and Jeremy and Tahib. And just the notion of six adult men standing around talking about the dressing room is cursed. Like that scene took us an hour just to get through it. Um, so it's rare that it that we get thrown into into it, but when it happens, there's no getting out of it, and, and it's kind of a nightmare. Brendan, when I first reached out to you. Uh, I I did it with the promise that we talk some Bears too and talk some football. You're a big Bears fan. Uh, you're a Chicago guy, so we'll come back and talk a little bit more about Ted Lasso because I have a few more questions about all that. But uh, and I want to make sure our listeners are are watching that because we keep telling them to check it out. But give us like the background of your Bears fandom and uh, and maybe some of the the memories of of being a Bears fan and and uh, and why that's still so important to you. Sure. Um... I feel like my childhood was spent largely just loving Walter Payton. Like before I even knew, uh, I don't know who uh, uh, Jimmy Carter was. Like I knew who Walter Payton was. And also because the bears were so bad and he was so great, he was already uh, a tragic figure in a way. Like he was, he was not getting what he deserved. You know, I, I remember, I remember watching a, an exhibition game between the bears and the Vikings when Eddie Payton was on the Vikings. And like, I just remember being like, wow, they're brothers. They both must be equally good as each other. And I had an Eddie Payton card and the history will, will show Eddie Payton. Not so great. Not so great, but I was old enough. I'm old enough to have been at least confused by that. And they were just so bad for so long, you know, Bob Evelini and uh, uh, Mike Phipps, um and this era that when they finally got good it it was mind-blowing i really i just i just could not believe it didn't really get to go to any games i went to one game against the eagles when dick vermeil was there i have no memory of it except for the cover of the program but then one morning in january 1986 my mother wakes me up earlier than usual on a sunday and says well I wake up your dad's taking you to the game now my mom and dad had been divorced since i was two my dad was not around that much but now mom had remarried a Packer fan and I think dad felt threatened. So he somehow came through and I ended up going to the NFC championship game as the second Bears game I ever went to in my life. And that is a good memory. That, that would be, wow. That's, um, and it's interesting too, Brendan, because I heard, I heard you, you were on with our colleague, Robert Mays, uh, in the fall. And, uh, you talked about, as you mentioned with us being in Amsterdam and you were in Amsterdam during a couple 
good Bears seasons, actually. You know, you like while you were here in the 90s, they were bad. And then you go to Amsterdam and they had a couple good years. So what was it like? This is kind of pre, you know, today it's easy for you to watch a Bears game from London. Um, what was it like then kind of keeping up with the team uh, during those years? It was difficult because there was only one bar in all of Amsterdam that would show NFL games. And it was on Sky Sports and you would get whatever game they showed you and then the game after that. And not only was it rarely the Bears, it was rarely even the best matchup. You know, it was it was not like it was never seemingly never Patriots Colts. It was always like the Rams and the Lions, like like just two teams that have no you know history together or anything and just weren't good. And when the Bears came on, it seemed like every time the Bears were on, which was rare, uh, Mike Brown ran back an interception for a touchdown. Like that was that was clockwork. It seemed like at the time, um, so there were certainly hints of them getting good. But even when they had a full on good season, I only got to enjoy it in doses. Well, you at least got those two great back to back Mike Brown games, though. It sounds like with, yes. with the overtime walk offs, which that are was, that was, and that was phenomenal. Like like what is happening? Well, here's the cool thing about this podcast is we have a good amount of international listeners who. Probably, I would hope it's better now where they can they can watch more NFL games today. But like they come to this podcast, so you needed this podcast when you lived in Amsterdam, is what I'm trying to say to keep up with your Bears talk. Badly, yes, it was a huge black hole um, sports wise. But the good of that is, then like cause, you know I was a huge Bears fan and uh, and you know all the Chicago sports teams, but then you couldn't watch any of them. So like, yeah, all right, the, I'll, I'll give soccer a shot, and now. You know, soccer is essentially my job. <laughs> so it all happened for a reason. <laughs> I need to reminisce a little bit about some like Lincoln Park hot spots, Old Town. So I grew up right on the edge of Lincoln Park in Old Town, like really not too far from Second City, to be honest. So does River Shannon, Gamekeepers, places like that? I don't know. Remember Gamekeepers? I remember because uh, uh, I didn't get to, you know, once I was drinking age, well, that's not quite true. My mom was a bartender, so I was going to some bars uh, at a very young age, like uh, Canines up in Rogers Park and uh, O'Rourke's when it was on North Avenue, and then again when it was across from Steppenwolf. Um, but then when I was drinking age, I, I was mostly in the vicinity of the improv theaters I was uh, I was performing at. So the Gaslight when it was on Halstead, uh, the L&L, um, Bar San Miguel when it was on Clark uh, back in the day. So like, a bunch of places that have closed are uh, my favorites. But they're they're gone and I can't go back. Oh, what was that four o'clock bar? Which one? Tees? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was one that was just called like Tees, right? It was like Irving and Ashland. Ah, uh, there's yeah. ties till four is right around Ashland. Ties till four. Boom. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. There it is. Not that I've ever been there or anything, but uh, I'm familiar <laughs> with the uh, the area. Uh, Brendan, I'm, I'm curious if the um, there are like a few other big Bears fans in the Hollywood acting improv world. Obviously, it helps how many uh, actors and actresses have come from Chicago, but uh, has it ever been like, is there any kind of group text among other Bears fans in your world? Oh, Kevin, this is where it's going to come out how uh, how lonely and isolated I am. Uh, Do you want us to be your group text, Brendan? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Guys, I could use it. it. I could use it. And if your avatars could be, you know, uh, Joe Mantegna and George Wendt, it would really really make me feel good. (laughs) So every single day we get asked like five times a day, basically, who the Bears quarterback is going to be this fall. Who do you want it to be? 
Well, I have a couple thoughts about this. One is like, if it was Deshaun Watson, that would be, you know, so great since we never, ever had any chance to get him in any easier way before. And if Tama Holmes, same deal. Gosh, we just never had the opportunity to have either one of those guys. <laughs> and I feel, I feel terrible for Mitch Trubisky, who I would not want to be the quarterback. But, um, but like, do you guys know what the actor's nightmare is? You know this phenomenon? No. Uh, the actor's nightmare is a thing. And it's uh, it's a it's a common dream among actors. And you wake up and you're about or you're in a dream and you're about to have like the biggest show of your life, a uh, huge crowd, everyone watching. It's the pinnacle of things, and then you can't remember your lines. Um, and and everyone has their own different version of it. And my version of it, as as showtime is approaching, and I'm slowly realizing, wait, I don't know my lines for the show. What's happening? And they're like shuffling me through backstage. I start to get angry, at, not at myself, but at the uh, at the powers that be who would be so irresponsible as to put someone who has never rehearsed this show in this position that he shouldn't be. And I feel like that's what Mitch Trubisky is living. Like who put him as the number two pick? He didn't have to be the number two pick. He didn't have to have this pressure on him. He could have picked someone else entirely. And then he could have been like the 30th pick for somebody, or we could have picked him in the second or third round. Mitch Trubisky has been done very unjustly by the bears from the beginning. And the fact that we are now doing our best to try to get Deshaun Watson who was the, whose greatness was quite apparent at that draft. I just, I just can't believe that, that this management team is still around just for that alone. Cause I know they've done many other great things, but whoa, that's a, that's an all time whiff. Well, uh, to your point, and this won't make you feel any better, but it is an all time whiff. And it's something that I've, I, we talk about this a lot. We are going to be talking about this like 20 years from now still. Yeah, we really are. Yeah, I forget who Lou Brock got got traded for, but like that conversation will go away as the previous <laughs> biggest whiff in Chicago history. It's it's unbelievable. Will there be justice in getting Deshaun Watson now? And uh, and I will throw all this anger away. Yeah, <laughs> but still, oh the whiff, oh the whiff. So one thing, Brendan, that I learned when the Bears went to London a couple of years ago, I talked to a bunch of the fans at Hogue was talking about you know, our fans that are, are are across the pond. And, you know, it's interesting, the comparison between the NFL and the Premier League, because uh, you think about these diehard fan bases. I-, I think the Premier League is a little bit more similar to college football when you have like those allegiances to where you're going to college. But um, it's interesting talking to folks who live and die with their soccer clubs and then live and die with the Bears. Uh, but I'm curious from your perspective, now that you've done the whole Ted Lasso thing, you are a big NFL fan, big Bears fan. What has been your perspective on the similarities between the two leagues and the two fan bases? Well, I think you're spot on that um, college sports are akin to to uh, to soccer fandom in terms of you know the, uh, uh, the I guess the regional nature of it, and the more like where are you really from? And you know there are so many college teams, there's so many soccer teams, so it's easier to like isolate to your you know your patch of the earth. Um, I don't know. There's so many differences. You know, what's one of the weird little things like you think of, of, uh, of soccer fans as being drunken louts and everything, but they're not allowed to drink at the games. And yet we have people walking down every aisle, every minute of the game, whether the game is happening or not to make sure that we are getting as drunk as possible until of course the hard cutoff of, of the fourth quarter. But there's something to that. Like they, because it's two hours, because it's over before you know it, they are laser focused on the game when you're there in a way that we aren't really. 
And we can't be because every five seconds we're playing Sandstorm, you know, or uh, uh, announcing the, the wonderful tie-in to fucking Harris Bank or whatever. Uh, Harris Bank, does that still exist? Uh, I remember, yeah, you had that Lion Bank of the kid. Anyway, so I'd say that the in-game experience is the, is the biggest is the biggest difference. And, uh, and I got to say, I think they're, they're doing it right. I was amazed. So when we were there last year, we went to Fulham Charlton, which, which also fascinates me. There's like 20 teams within London. And it's like, I almost compare it to like high school football on steroids with all like the rivalries within the city. But anyway, it's just a fascinating experience how they like literally had to have a security line separating the road fans from the rest of the stadium. And then this is a true story because we were sitting like in the Fulham supporters area because the game was at Fulham. And uh, I just happened to be, ta- you know, I'm just a, a, a stupid American tourist with my phone out and the opposing team scored. And I took a video of the guy celebrating and the fans behind me like wanted to fight me because they thought I was a Charlton supporter. Just because you're recording, or just because you were? Yeah, well, they thought like I was taking a video of like them scoring, so I must be like rooting for the other team, right? Oh, got it, got it, got it. And then, like, when we went to the pub pregame, you had to be a Fulham supporter to get in because they don't want any bar fights. And so it was fascinating to me. You fast forward to the Bears Raiders game, like two days later. Uh, and everybody's just like kumbaya hanging out before the NFL game. Like <laughs> the Raiders and Bears fans, they don't have a problem with each other. So just to, to your point, like it is so serious there when it comes to the Premier League. Yeah, they are shocked that you can go to a sporting event uh, in our country in any sport. And, you know, uh, the, the red jerseys will be sitting right next to the blue jerseys in the stands. That That, that is completely foreign and baffling to them. By the way, that the day of that Bears game, was one of the best sports days of my life because a my sister was in town and visiting and I'm also an Arsenal fan and so that day I saw an Arsenal game and a Bears game in the same city on the same day and you know the Raiders kind of ruined it but other than that 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 was that was cool and it, was, it was cool to show my sister all that too that's awesome uh well what should we I know you can't give anything away but what should we expect in uh in the second season of Ted Lasso which we cannot wait for <laughs> oh guys, I'm excited. Um, no, they've uh, they've really put a hard kibosh on me saying anything, mm-hmm. but um, there will be uh, there will be some soccer played. I can tell you that. Have you have you tried the biscuits? <laughs> I'm more of a I'm more of a sweet than a savory. Okay. In, in in my desserts, so I pretty much avoid the the shortbread <laughs> type of things. Um, but uh, Hannah swears that the ones that they made her were horrible but they've apparently <laughs> they've apparently made better ones this year and she's very happy they gotta fix that well i tell people when they're watching ted lasso you see uh and you can critique my critique here uh you see the promo or the trailer and you're like there's no way that can be good but like um, like an american uh football coach going to england and becoming a side like it just doesn't make sense um but then you watch the first episode and you're like wait a minute I have to watch the second episode now. And then you get done with the second one. And I think it was by the third, by the end of the third episode, you're it's it's a different sense of being like totally hooked, where it's just like, wait a minute, this is really, really good. I did not expect it to be like a legitimately a great TV show. And that's really what it is. Part of what the show's about is, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. And you know, don't don't set the bar too low for what people are. And then the sh- people's experience of the show has been that part of the show. Um, so that's been kind of cool and gratifying. Bill Lawrence, one of the creators, he's gotten to the point where he uh, 
he seeks out tweets where people are like, this show has no right to be this good. And he, he always responds like, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. We don't know how uh, to do it. Uh, Brandon, real quick, we, my wife and I have binged a lot of shows during the pandemic, and she wanted to rewatch Ted Lasso. We both did. That was the only show with like, let's watch it again. That's how good it was. You just, you, you just feel good watching it. So, congratulations to you and everybody involved. It's we're I, I, we're so excited for season two. Oh, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. We're having fun right, doing thanks. it. Hopefully, it'll work out okay. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brandon. Thank you, guys. All right. For those of us that have watched the show, that was fun. Uh, and it was also fun to hear his experiences of being a Bears fan, living in Amsterdam, living uh, in Europe, and trying to watch the Bears back in the day. So, uh, cool guy. We appreciate Brendan Hunt's time and, and jumping on this podcast because that's something we've been looking forward to for a while, and, and I enjoyed it. Hope our listeners did as well. In the meantime, it's a good thing we got that in today, Johnsy, because uh, I think we're about to enter a period of a lot of news and a lot of things to break down. And uh, and that's probably going to start maybe even this weekend, if not next week. Maybe after this podcast is done. We know how this works. It, 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 it's, it's happened. We could be doing an emergency podcast like five hours from now. That would be something. <laughs> could maybe. You never know. We, we've I, done that. I, I don't know. Hey, uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Uh, and don't forget, shirts, if you're watching on YouTube right now, Another one of my favorites, collaborating since 2015. And we should remind everybody, it does support a great cause, right? You want to explain? Yes. uh, Proceeds going towards the 22Q Family Foundation right now. And 22Q is what my son was born with, a genetic condition, a deletion of the 22nd chromosome. Not a whole lot of people know about it, which is why we're doing this. So uh, please check out 22Q Family Foundation foundation.org for more information on that and uh when you do buy the t-shirts they do support 22q family so uh that's another good reason to do it and we also appreciate all the photos coming in keep them coming people wearing their shirts crazy places that one dude shirt or uh picture where he was like in the most beautiful place in the northwest of our country was awesome i'm I'm waiting that was beautiful i i'm waiting for the beer drinking football guy season to kind of take over here because the sun is out in Chicago. Mm-hmm. The pandemic, if the light is at the end of the tunnel here, the vaccines are rolling out. I, I just feel like backyard beers could be uh, coming back. Also, I'm going to be invited to your backyard again. Yes. Oh, better, that's better good. wear your shirt. Yeah, I usually go shirtless though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a scary thing to think about. Uh, you don't want that. I'll wear my Hogan John shirt. Please. All right. Check those out on ObviousShirts.com. We appreciate all the support. I think we basically created a challenge here to send us you wearing your shirt in the craziest place you can do so. Like, can we get Hawaii? Can we get Europe? Where, where, let's do this. Let's see what let's see what you guys can do on Twitter, at Adam Hogue and at Adam Johns. All right, uh, read us, subscribe, rate and review, do all those great things. Most importantly, tell your friends about the podcast. We're here for you, and we're going to see where this thing goes. A lot of news coming, I think, in the next week. Multiple episodes coming. We appreciate the support. Talk to you soon. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.